Welcome to the podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd also like to invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.45, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. Our scripture reading for today comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 30, 61. Here are the words of the Lord. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You'll be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land. An everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord, for my soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. So I came to know Jesus and welcome him into my life as my Lord and Savior when I turned 15. Well, sometime after I turned 15. I was at a youth conference in Washington, D.C. with my youth group, and we had taken a 26-hour train ride from Slidell, Louisiana to Washington, D.C. Needless to say, I did not want to get back on the train to go back home Because I don't know if you've ever been on a 26-hour train ride, but it's really long. (laughs) Um, And we happened to be, this was my first trip with a youth group, um, and I had not been involved in the youth for too long. The first night we were there, we were in a huge conference center, probably about 10 to 12,000 
youth, junior high, senior high, lots and lots of people, and we were seated really far back. Like we, we could see the speaker because of the screens, not because we were anywhere near the speaker. And he happened to talk about Jesus, obviously, and I really don't remember what he said, per se. I just remember at some point, he gave us the opportunity to respond. And before I could really think about it, my body had moved from sitting to standing and then from standing to walking as we made uh, the move forward and told us if we had responded just to come forward. And lots of people came forward. And all I remember at that moment was such peace within me God had stirred something so powerfully within me. I knew nothing else but to move toward him and to say yes to him. And somehow I found my youth pastor in the crowd of craziness that had been happening and he pulled me to the side and I believe that the angels were singing that evening, although most people would say it was just Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant, but to me, they were angels. And I believe that they were part of my story. In fact, I give them a lot of credit, although they also don't know that, or me, but, you know, whatever. Um, but when I responded that night and heard God's voice, I had no idea that one day I would be standing in a pulpit and preaching a sermon. In fact, I had no idea that I would do full-time ministry at all. I thought I was gonna be a teacher of second graders. That had been my plan for a really long time, even at the age of 15. I don't think I could have imagined most of the things that God had done in my life and the places that he had called me to. Louisiana Tech was not on my radar as a place to go to college, and yet this is where I came to study to be a teacher. College ministry for a year right out of college and taking a year off from going to grad school was also not in my plan. Seminary, I didn't even know what that was, and then somebody told me you went to school and you got grades on studying the Bible, and I was like, well, I could do that, okay. But that's where God called me. And I ended up in full-time ministry and instead of in a second grade classroom. I would have never thought I would have done college ministry from 10 years down at the school that I graduated from college and then I would have never imagined to be uh, on staff at a church, teaching Bible studies, preaching sermons, just being in the life of the people that I get to worship alongside every week. But isn't that what God does? When you say yes to one thing with him, you can't ever anticipate where that one yes can take you. How God can use it and when he can use it and how through you he makes himself known. You know, I'm sure that Isaac Watts, the author of Joy to the World, never imagined what would happen to his writings specifically to this one particular poem that he penned in 1719. As you may already know, Isaac Watts didn't write this as a hymn to be sung. It was a poem based on Psalm 98, and it was never intended to be a Christmas song. Instead, it was a poem about the second coming of Christ. 
It wasn't until Lowell Mason found the poem in 1848, some 129 years later, and he put it to music that it became a Christmas song. But it was still never intended to be a Christmas song then, it just happened to be released at Christmas time. Eventually, though, it would become one of the most beloved Christmas songs, the most published Christmas carols in America, and a favorite of all time. Isaac Watts probably had no idea that when he sat down to pen this poem and said yes to the words of God, where those words would lead him, and where the words that he wrote, how they would affect others. God can do anything with a willing person, open to doing his work. Where his work takes one and how he uses it can be a mystery until the time God reveals his purpose. And his work and his word speaks love to all of his people. You know, over the past few weeks, we have been walking through the song, Joy to the World, looking at it verse by verse and how it points us to Jesus during this Advent season. This week we look at the last verse, and it goes like this. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love. You know, I've sat with this verse for a few weeks knowing that I was going to preach on it and knowing that the title of it was Wonders of His Love, but I kept coming back to the verse right before it. Make the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. This short phrase has sat with me for weeks and I keep asking myself, how do we, the nations, Prove his righteousness and wonders. In our scriptures this morning, Isaiah is speaking words of hope over the people of God who are living in captivity. They have, because of their unfaithfulness to God, lost the promised land and been carted off. God had told them if they did not turn back to him that he would release them to their enemies. So, Their promised land was destroyed, the temple had been sacked, and they were now living in a foreign place, feeling hopeless, wondering if God would ever hear their cries again, if he would answer them, remember them. Interestingly, the whole last third of the book of Isaiah is promises from God to his people, promises of restoration salvation from bondage, hope that he would hear them and that he would respond. These 11 verses spoken by Isaiah the prophet were to bring hope of restoration to the people of God, something to hold on to in the dark moments as God works his plan to save them. These words are a promise from God and they are powerful Who wouldn't want to be told that God would bind up the brokenness in their hearts, would liberate them from the things that hold them tight and keep them away from God, that God would comfort them in their pain and in their sorrow, that he would call them righteous, 
that he would display his glory and not only display his glory, but he would choose them to display his glory through. That the lands that they had lost would be rebuilt and restored to them and they would feel safe again. And that God would give them everlasting joy. Aren't these the things that we hope for and pray for and desire as well? And in these words of Isaiah, the promise is here, not only for the people in captivity, but for us. To me, the very most powerful promise in this passage is in verse six. You shall be called priests of the Lord. You shall be named ministers of our God. You see, the priests were a people who were set apart, called to speak to God on behalf of the people. They were to lead the people into a place of repentance from sin, teach about the story of God and his love, and continuously point the people to God and all of creation and the fact that God's promises are fulfilled. Isaiah in this passage says that God will call all his people priests. All would have the opportunity to draw close to him, to stand and declare his salvation and to help others seek repentance. His promise was that the people in captivity one day would be the priests of all of the nations, declaring him into the dark spaces. And that promise is still calling us today. That we, as the people of God, are to be called the priesthood, the ones who declare who God is and draws others towards him who tells the story of his faithfulness and the promises that he has given and the way that he has fulfilled them. We declare freedom from bondage. We declare peace and joy. We declare rebuilding of lives that seem to have been torn down. Through the word of God, Bonds are broken. Words that the people of God needed to hear and needed to hold on to, these are the words. But they also needed to turn back to God. They needed to recognize their sin, repent, believe that God would come for them. That his plan would always be fulfilled. You see, the nations prove his righteousness and his wonders by holding fast to him. We believe in what God says. We believe that he is true. God doesn't take his word lightly, but he fulfills it, and he fulfills it because of his deep, deep abiding love for us. You see, God had a plan for his people. To enact the plan, people had to say yes to him. They had to step into obedience and trust and they had no idea where that yes would take them. The Bible is filled with tons of stories of people saying yes and then going on crazy journeys, twists and turns to get to the place that God needed them to be 
so that the story could continue, so his faithfulness could be seen, so people could turn back to him. It wouldn't be easy, but the best things in life never are. We could chalk the words up in this passage as a fairy tale, a a dream that would never come true, and we could become complacent, just as the captives could have become complacent, have thought, I'll never see the promised land again, and we'll never hear from God again, so we might as well just get comfy here. But they didn't do that. Because just as God had never given up on them, they held fast to him. Even if that yes is scary, and even if they didn't know where it led. In the Gospel of Luke, we are told that one of the very first first acts of Jesus that he does in his ministry is travel to Nazareth, which was his hometown, And on the Sabbath, he enters into the synagogue and he reads from Isaiah chapter 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, he says, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolls up the scroll looks at everyone in the temple and then says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, many would consider this to be one of those kind of mic drop moments. Nothing else needs to be said. The drama has been given and we just move along in awe. The promise of God that the people of God knew from Isaiah was fulfilled eventually when they were brought back to the promised land and they rebuilt, but it wasn't complete, not yet. There was a Messiah that was to come who would fully restore them and who would fully restore us. In that moment when Jesus reads these words and declares that the promise is fulfilled, the people had a choice. Choose to accept and believe and say yes or say no. He is the fulfillment. His birth, his life was for this purpose. This is why he came. This is what he would fight for, die for. To celebrate all that had happened in his death, we must first celebrate that he lived. What's the good news of his birth? Well, John Oswald says it like this. It was for those who are so broken by life that they have no more heart to try those who are so bound up in their various addictions that liberty and release are a cruel mirage. Those who think they will never again experience the favor of Lord or or see his just vengeance meted out against those who have misused them. Those who think that their lives hold nothing more than ashes, sackcloth, and the fainting heaviness of despair. These are they to whom the servant Messiah shouts, good news, for I have come. Jesus' yes to his father's call to come down from heaven to save us had many twists and turns. But in the end, God's work was fulfilled and his promise was kept and his love was seen 
And through it all, people came to know and still come to know the healing power of the Savior. As we're just days away from celebrating the birth of Jesus, remembering, reflecting, and preparing, where has God taken you on this journey as you said yes? Where do you still need to say yes? The God of all creation came down to earth to save you, to restore you, to bring you joy and peace, to love you with an everlasting love, to give you oils and flowers instead of ashes and sackcloth and mourning. Where has that taken you? Where could it take you? Today, Will the scriptures be fulfilled in you as a part of the priesthood who points others to God? You see, the nations, we prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. For the spirit of the Lord is upon me and you because the Lord has anointed us to bring the good news. Let's pray. Father God, this morning we rejoice at the good news. Rejoice at the fact that you are a God who loves us so much that you sent a son. And I have a son and I I don't know how you made that choice except that I know your love for us was so deep that you sacrificed all for us. And not because of anything that we can do, not because of anything that we can say, but because you just love us. But in the midst of that, we have the opportunity to be your voice and to stand in the gap and to reflect you and to point others towards you and to tell them that their pain and their bondage and their hurt and their anger can be healed by you. And so as we celebrate the birth of your son, God, will we also celebrate that you have called each one of us to a greater place. May we celebrate the yeses that we have said and may we say yes to you even more. And may we pray for opportunities to speak your word to others so they can say yes. God, we love you and praise you and we thank you for your son. And it's in his holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.